Previously on Gresh and Fourier. What you need is either to quit, get fired, or just get yeah. off the radio. Because the text, they've never been so nice. Oh my God, Lou, we miss you. Last time I was here, it was like, you suck. Get <laughs> off the radio. I don't want to ever hear you again. I don't know what Twitch is saying, but they hated me. Uh-huh. Now all of a sudden you come back and it's like, hey, good to have you. I never had that kind of love. This is Gresh and Fourier. Tatum gives it up. Crawford comes up shy. And the Knicks beat the Celtics. 131-129. You guys are starting to hit like some struggles here. What's the level of concern as far as the timing of this? Zero. And Andy Gresh. Hey, it's Lou. Three balls, two strikes, two out. Runners will be moving. Ork delivers. Swing and a miss, and it's over. Red Sox remain undefeated. They beat the Marlins 4-1. to They won 6 and tied 3. Well, it's always great to have you here, Lou. Christian Fourier. Final seconds, and Boston has won 10 in a row. That is tied for the fifth longest winning streak in club history. The mark is 14. Hockey talk, hockey talk, talky, hockey talk, because we like to talk some hockey. And hockey talk is good, talky, hockey, hockey, hockey talk. We're gonna talk about some hockey. Gresh and Fourier, right now. Who is it? Uh, Pazuti? What's the dude's name? Uh, Pers- Prosciutto? What's the dude's name? <laughs> what? Pazuzzi. Prosciutto. Prosciutto. It's sticking. Yeah. That's sticking. Bye, <laughs> What a moron. Shut up, Dale. On W-E-E-I. Oh, good morning, everybody. It's the Gresham Fourier Show. Gresh is uh, still in Vegas. He is, I'm sure he's on his way back at some point in time, uh, but he will be here tomorrow. We will be airing our show live from the Auerbach Center, uh, where we'll be holding our first ever Shots for a Cure. The whole crew will be there. We'll be there. The morning show will be there. Afternoon show, Rich Keefe, uh, and some special guests. But hello, Lou. What do you say, Foyer? Hello. <laughs> hey, I will start with this, Lou. Go ahead. You may have to take the reins. Don't do this to me. I'm just hey, a this feeling. Is, this, is, this, this, is, this is the problem. I do this all the time. Okay, so... Did you ever have coaches who used to who used to say, "Hey, listen, when you try something for the first time, yeah. make sure it's not in like a real game." Yeah, like do we it used to have that. You they used to have like uh, you know I, I back. I remember when like ephedrine and all that stuff was oh, like yeah. uh, everybody was taking that back in the late nineties. And say, hey, you know what? Hey, don't take this before a game. Why don't you try it for practice? And sure enough, I tried it for practice. I realized it was not my thing. Okay. It made my heart rate go way it's like too fast. like greenies in baseball yeah. back in the day. Okay, yeah. so if you don't know how you're going to be affected by something, don't do it for the first time before a big event. Good advice. What'd you do? <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? I actually, I, I started taking this, like, uh, this energy creatine, like, uh, you know, carbohydrate. You know, I'm trying to get all fit for the summer, yeah, right? So that's good. But what it does is it makes my face... Like tingle? Is there a cleansing element? I don't know. To where if, you have to go to the bathroom. All I know is seconds? like you came in here. Yeah. Okay. And as soon as you started talking, I was like, uh oh, that ha- that started quick. As soon as I drank it, my whole face started like, am I am I flush right now? Like I literally was like, I'm not gonna be shaking. So you gonna can't concentrate? Are you telling me you're gonna like exit the show for like an hour? Well, is, I told, are we I'm, back at the Super Bowl? I feel like no, stomach? no, no. And during when I had the runs, when I had yeah, the bad case of I mud, remember. but I didn't. Even, I got there late, so I didn't even make it for the start of the show. I'm just warning you in advance. If I'm if I'm hyper, if I'm a little over hyper, if I'm a little distracted all over the place, that's probably the reason why I'm not sure how long this thing is gonna run its course. So just don't listen, do you're that. Good on your own. 
No, no, no. Would listen, that be crazy I have if, I zero if, I responsibility. Left, if I just left right now? I will break down uh, <laughs> scouting reports on every Red Sox pitch that I've been working on recently. And just, it's nothing going to be about Red Sox if you walk out of this. Studio. Dude, can I be honest with you? Like, when I was coming, driving in here today, <laughs> I was like, you know, I'm just going to screw with Lou <laughs> and just, like, listen, I got to go as soon as the light goes on and make sure every, and just see what. I would tell you right now, if you walked out of this room and left me for like yeah. an hour, it would be 617-779-7937 Red Sox. It would be. It would that that well, they I would are just undefeated. go to my comfort zone. Yeah. So that would, that was where I would go. It's what I've been doing. Like, you know what, deep. And that's about it. That's yeah. all I've been doing. But you know, again, casually watching the Celts, watching the Bruins, which is beautiful. Yeah, and uh well, just at least for one of the teams. <laughs> I was gonna ask you, because obviously, okay, just let's let's recap the weekend real quick. All right. So the Bruins beat the Rangers Saturday four two. Uh straight win. So the the Bruins are a forty nine, eight and five and Here's what, like, obviously, like, I don't feel like we have to really dig into the Bruins anymore. They're awesome. They're good. They're probably, most definitely, automatically going to win the cup. What do you think, your boy, uh, Prosciutto? Uh, Prosciutto. <laughs> hey, all the newcomers are all the newcomers are actually contributing. It's like Don Sweeney looks like a like a god right now. Yep. Every person that he hires that he signs contributes. The thing that bugged me was well, it had nothing to do with the game. It had more to do with the intro from ABC. It had more to do with. Is it every time a Boston-based team plays a New York-based team, do they have to push the rivalry beyond belief? They show the catch with uh, David Tyree, and you know uh, they show Rodney Harrison. They show uh, you know Alex Rodriguez. It's just, it's just that it's such low-hanging fruit, Lou. That's all I'm saying. Like, is there anything else that they could do that's more relevant? We get it. Boston and New York, they don't like each yeah, other. I'm, I'm really? Like I love New York. Like 03, I love New York. Yeah, the rivalry between the Yankees and Red Sox has got nothing to do with the Bruins and Rangers. It does nothing to do with it. I don't – do the Bruins and Rangers, original six, do they really have like a deep-seated like hatred for each other? Well, we all know it's Montreal. Yes. Okay, so so they forced this like this rivalry down my throat. And then for us, I was like this – I know that Rangers are, you know, it, it, they want to be, be like good, back but... in the day when I was playing and the Expos were still around. The, you know, the Red Sox played the Montreal Expos. They're showing like Guy Lafleur and they're showing about the highlights of the Bruins Canadians, like rivalry back in the 70s while the Red Sox are playing the Expos. And you're like, it has nothing to do with one another. Yeah. Nothing to do. I with mean, it. I guess, I guess, do, do other cities have this issue? Does my, does Miami have this with Atlanta? Is it like a Dirty South thing? Hey, man, no, we're the real Dirty South. I don't don't understand what it means. So the Bruins won. I don't think anyone's surprised. But the story of the weekend is just the the terrible weekend that the Celtics had. So the Celtics on Friday night, they blow a 28-point lead on on Friday night to the Nets and lose 115-105. You're like, okay, let's get back on track, have a Mm -hmm. game on Saturday. Then last night, they lose to the Knicks in double overtime, 131-29. Had a chance to win it in the end. This is how it sounded. Tatum gives it up. Crawford comes up shy, and the Knicks beat the Celtics, 131-129. Lou, the, they have now lost three. The Celtics have now lost three of their last four and are one and a half games behind the Bucks. Let's just start just big picture. I heard you talking about it uh, mm-hmm. at, the, at the cross real quick. Big picture, what are your thoughts overall now that they've lost three of the last four? The East is, seems to be a little bit more, you know, tough tougher than it was maybe a couple weeks ago. You got other teams, Cleveland, you got Brooklyn, sorry, not Brooklyn, you got the Knicks. The Knicks, apparently. And you got Philly. So big picture real quick before we dig into this. I almost feel like this time of year, whether it's February or March, felt like, you know, when like LeBron James' teams, whether it's Miami, the Lakers, and they're like, you know, Cleveland, they're going off. 
there's always a lull for like these great teams this time of year. You know, and there always is. And I still think the Celtics are a great team in the East. They're one of the great teams in, in, in the NBA. So am I overly concerned with this little lull that they're in? By the way, I think was it eight of the next nine, two are on the road? Like, you know, they, they got a bitch schedule here for the next couple of weeks. They got a game tonight. They got to play no, yeah. Cleveland tonight in Which Cleveland. It would be interesting, given the minutes you saw last night from some of these guys, what that lineup is going to look like. But So, as far as that goes, I think we've seen this before from, from very good teams, which I consider they are. But there are some concerns. You know, and I know I haven't been here. I brought it up before. Like, when they announced that Joe Mazzula was the head coach, and I felt like maybe they felt like they, they needed to, I don't know, for credibility in the locker room. I, I don't know what it was. They gave him a little extension. I get it. It means nothing. They can move on if they want. I thought it was like getting a little bit ahead of yourself because we all know coaching in the NBA, you know, some people will say that it's overrated. I don't think anybody would say that in the postseason, you know, when adjustments needed to be made. You know, when, when the Celtics are up two games to one and all of a sudden Steve Kerr, is they're seeing things and the veterans are seeing things and there's an adjustment made and they turn that series around, uh, whether it's just seeing that Jalen Brown can't go left, whatever, changing defensive schemes, how they attack guys, pick and roll, trap, whatever it might be, coaching matters in the postseason. And I feel like if it, it still comes down to the stars, but he could get exposed in the postseason. Uh, I'm waiting for him to, to start calling some more timeouts. Oh, he doesn't like to use timeouts. Like the end of the regular, the, the first overtime, I think 13 seconds left in the tie game. It's like just just call a timeout. Show me that you can put a play together that gives you a good look late in the game, like great coaches do. At the end of this, whatever, whatever, I forget the first overtime or second overtime, they call the timeout, but only because there was miscommunication. It seemed like with Tatum, so he was forced to. But it's like, how many times do we look at great coaches and say, man, they are great coming out of timeouts. They always get a look. They always get a great shot. I don't know if he can even do that because he never calls them. I, I, I'm with you. That's been my biggest concern since, since from the very beginning. You know, there was a time when Ime Odoka, this team was like last year, like 18 and 21, like a couple games uh, below 500. But Ime Odoka kind of coached out of them, developed roles. They created this cool attitude, and they went into the postseason. They 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 won some games late. They they handled their business, and they fell off short. Fine, I get it. But that's always been my concern. But I do think – I don't think – like I don't want to hit the panic button just yet, but I do think there are a lot of issues that could possible, possibly come back to bite him in the butt. And I think Al Horford, your buddy, wise old Al, wise old Al, actually postgame um, kind of – kind of led me to believe that there's bigger issues moving ahead we're not you know locking in as as much as we need to this is the second time that we kind of have have a lead uh, we feel good about it a team makes a run and um we just kind of let them back in the game you know throughout the season you're gonna you're gonna have adversity um you know we've played pretty good basketball most of the year and this is a time where you, you know, you tighten up, you fix some of these things, some of these issues, or it goes the other way. Well, you know what? I think it's time for a team meeting. Nope. Sorry, a team meeting that isn't a team meeting. So when people ask you if you had a team meeting, you could say it wasn't a team meeting. We were all just hanging out in the in the you know the dining room at the same time, and and then we closed the doors and told the coaches to leave. I do think this there's a there's a can I call it a trend? I feel like there's a trend. I like trends. Like like. You know, related to the Celtics, and I think it's coming at the worst possible time. You got 17 games left. You're a game back behind the Milwaukee Bucks. Other teams are getting better, and this kind of led me down this road, going back to Friday, Lou. To Friday, because my real thought is that I think the Celtics are an arrogant basketball team. 
What I think they need is a big dose of humble pie. Now, and I want you to listen to this. This is um, Joe Mazzula from Friday after they had a 28-point lead. Lost that lead. To the Nets. To the Nets. And then ended up going down. It was like a 44-point swing at one point in time. It was embarrassing. It was dis- It was just embarrassing. That's the only word. Here's Joe Mazzula post-game on Friday. We definitely have a respect for the opponent because we were up 28. So I think we definitely respected him. I don't think most guys realize the potency of runs in the NBA in the first half. What? How long okay. these guys both? Are they all rookies? Here's the thing. It's the first so year in the he league? does it. Play, like, Terp, play it one more time. We definitely have a respect for the opponent because we were up 28, so I think we definitely respected him. I don't think most guys realize the potency of runs in the NBA in the first half. Translation. Here's how I look at it. So my thing is, like, so when they're up 28 points, they're getting fancy. They're getting lazy. They're not respecting the possessions. They're throwing it up against the backboard, and they're trying to dunk it. They're just getting real cute. They're, getting, they're not playing defense. They're taking stupid shots. They think they have 28-point lead, and it's a 28-point lead in the first quarter. So it's not like it's a 28-point lead in the third quarter. It's the first quarter. So that is nothing. So they get arrogant. What they do is they don't respect another team's ability to come back. That's how stuck up they are. That's how conceited they are. To me, that's a dangerous mentality to have. It happened last night, too. What were they at? 14 points. And I know it's 14 points can be, you know, erased in a hurry in the NBA. But I do think, and I'll use your phrase that you used for years, once you have somebody on the ground, you put your foot on their neck and you choke them out. Like, yeah. I don't so this, know if that, to me, that's, that is arrogance. Hey, guys, 28 points. Woo! Let's, hey, alley-oop. Hey, guys, bad passes, so, stupid defense, lazy possessions. This we definitely have a respect for the opponent because we were up 28, so I think we definitely respected him. So I would ask you this, right? Your confidence in this team, do you think they're mature enough to, say, flip a switch? I think we all agree that, like, regular season basketball is different than postseason. We all know what they went through last year, right? Giving up leads or just you know looking great one night and coming out the next night looking like they never played together. You know that was the way the postseason went. It was kind of like a grind, even though they got it to the NBA Finals, but it wasn't maybe as easy as it could have been. It's like they make it harder than themselves. You think they learned their lesson? They say, you know what? Eh, it's a regular season game. Yeah, we took our foot off the gas. Postseason, though, we know we've been around long enough. We know we can't do that. You have confidence that they can do that? I, I, listen, that flip the switch I, I think, type of different see, this mentality? Is, this is the whole victim of the moment mentality where you lose three or four, you beat a t- you lose to a team on Friday that you should have beaten, and people will say, oh, well, you're up 28 points. That's embarrassing. Then you have a, you have a day off. Then you have a get-right game nationally televised against a team that is, is, is the, has won eight straight, just came off an unbelievable win against Miami, buzzer-beater win, Julius Randle, and then they come in. And you're pretty much controlling the game, and then you stop controlling yeah, the game again because again you're arrogant, and that is my problem. That is my problem overall with the team, which I think is a, a warning sign. So we'll take all your calls six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. Is this team arrogant? Are they are they stuck up? Do they think that they can just do whatever they want because they're just so talented and they're just got a great team and maybe they're resting on what they did last year six one seven. 779-7937. Call up and yell at Lou because I think uh, he's got some other things to say. And a quick traffic report right now for what we're going to do for the rest of the day. All right, so uh, Lou's going to give us a scouting report. If you need to cram for a test, don't worry about it. Lee's gonna, Lou's going to give you the answers at 1120 on the Red Sox. 
And, of course, the, the primetime parlay at 11.45. Now, Lou is no longer a version. He actually won. Somebody here actually lost and broke their streak. And then two former pros versus an average Joe. It's a new segment that Lou and I are going to do. So what, what we're going to do is Lou and I give an unknown a shout at the title. You think you know sports, huh? Here's your chance to prove it. Gresh and Fourier on WEEI. on WEEI's presented by BetQL. Smarter bets start with BetQL. Download the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com today. All right, don't freak out, Celtics fans. We're going to keep the conversation going uh, regarding the, the Celtics and their arrogance where those uh, late uh, game collapses just a sign that they think they're better than everybody else or uh, is this a sign of things to come? But first, breaking news. This is from Mike Garofalo from the NFL Network. The Saints are closing in on a deal with Quarterback David Carr, sources tell me uh, at Rap Sheet, after nine seasons with the Raiders, the four-time Pro Bowl selection, is headed to New Orleans. This is the first quarterback domino about to fall in the NFC South. Uh, big deal, no big deal, Lou. Well, I think it's interesting. I think Ian Rapport followed it, too, and said that it wasn't a trade, right? Free well, he's a free signing. agent. Yeah, yeah, free agent signing. So, Because um, I was curious what, what they got for him, but now I'm curious about the money for a guy like Derek Carr. I, I don't know. I mean... To me, Derek Carr, if Derek Carr went somewhere, say the Jets, who might be looking for it, or somewhere in the AFC, I'd be more curious. New Orleans? Yeah, Here's the thing about, I mean, if you, so, so Dennis Allen was his coach when he, when he was with the Raiders back in 2014 when he got drafted. But look at the NFC South. If you're looking at a division that is up for grabs. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's like somebody declared that they're better. There wasn't a team that finished above 500. Not one team. The best team was the Bucks and they finished at 8-9 with Tom Brady and a, just a terrible offensive line, and we know how that ended for him. The Panthers were 7-10. and 10. They don't have a quarterback. The Saints, well, they have one now. They were 7-10. and 10. And the Falcons don't have a quarterback. Like, nobody the, – the, so uh, the first team in the NFC South to have a quarterback uh, is the New Orleans Saints. So And they get to jump on that division, right? I mean, you, is Aaron Rodgers still in his darkness phase? Uh, he is out of the okay. cave, and he is, uh, I guess he's just still contemplating what he wants to do with yeah. his life. So you don't sit around and wait for him to contemplate where he no. wants to and end he's, up. And you that's jump. more challenging, too. Right. So you go into a division that is wide open. You know, Tampa Bay is going to fall. Is Atlanta or Carolina? Gonna, you know, so you go to a team right now, and you look at the Saints. I don't really think anybody looks at them as, like, Super Bowl favorites now. But... They're probably favorites to win that division. I would say, well, right now, yeah. the the Aaron Rodgers thing is still up in the air. I actually thought Derek Carr was going to sign with the uh, with the Jets, but that seemed to just be like a red herring. But all the, all three teams, just just assume that the Bucks draft a quarterback, the Panthers draft a quarterback, and the Falcons draft a quarterback. You're winning the South. Doesn't matter Most how likely, good. Yes. Doesn't matter. You're, you're going to win the South. You have a veteran quarterback going into his tenth year, a former Pro Bowler, all that stuff has all the awards, everything that you need. You're going to win. You're going to win the South because it's going to take Carr. him at least two years. He huh? looks up and he looked at his like uh, AFC West quarterbacks that he was going up against. You know, and I know Russell Wilson flamed out, but yep. still, right? You, Herbert, Mahomes, and all of a sudden now you look at the NFC and you're like the division you're in. You're sitting there going, huh? Okay, I like this a lot better. Yeah, I would even say <laughs> a lot do, better. Even like the AFC East, like, do I want to deal with Buffalo? Right. I'm not saying that. Oh, listen, we're afraid of anybody, but the Patriots are going to be significantly no, we went better. Somewhere we can be successful. Yes, in a hurry, right off the bat, with a guy that he likes and the guy that he trusts. Well, 
That's the breaking news. Uh, Derek Carr looks like he's going to the New Orleans Saints. Uh, we'll figure out what, what the money is. But let's get to the calls first. Let's go to Mark in New Hampshire on the arrogance of the Celtics. Hey, gentlemen, can you hear me? Yeah, you're good. Uh, hey, awesome. Thanks. Yeah, hey, Christian, I couldn't agree with you more about the arrogance of the Celtics, man. It's just um, you just don't see it with a team like Milwaukee. You know, you've got a guy like Giannis, so humble. You know, they just brought in a guy like Gordon Drogic, man. You know, it's just it's just tough. You know, the European dudes, you know, they take the game so much more serious. They don't really mess around too much. And I just respect Giannis' game so much more than, you know, a guy like Tatum, unfortunately, even though a Boston's fan. Yeah, I appreciate it, Mark. I don't know if um, – I wouldn't really, like, compare, like, Giannis. I, it's less to do about Giannis for me than it is um, – You drop not know him up, do you? Uh, <laughs> Want me to help you out, or I mean, wait? I'm still seeing. I'm seeing. Uh, I'm seeing like double right now. Um, I don't. I don't think it has anything to do. This is a Celtics issue. This is a Celtics issue. I just feel like when when you're up on a team like that, you have to be at least have an understanding of how to close teams out. And Joe Mazzula said it on Friday. Hey, you have to be aware of how teams can go on runs. You next yeah. thing you know, you're leading by 14 points. Last night, sure enough, here come the Knicks. They go on like an 11-0 run. Next thing you know, you're down going into the fourth but quarter. Do you think this team at any point looks at last year and thinks that maybe they got some breaks during their playoff during run? During the playoff run? Well, I mean. I don't. I don't think they look at it as, hey, we got lucky. No, I'm just saying like for years, you know, and it's just everywhere. Oh, we've been to the, uh, you know, the conference finals three out of four years. So there was this arrogance there, and it was like they almost acted like they were in the, the champion NBA championship three out of four years, and maybe won a one or two. You know, and it was like, please, we don't need much help. Easter Conference Finals three or four years, and then all of a sudden this year it's like, dude, we're in the NBA Finals. Does anyone in that locker room sit there and think, okay, we played the Bucs and it was a seven-game series without Chris Middleton. We played the Miami Heat, and they had guys in and out of that lineup all banged up. Oh, Hero the Brooklyn was Nets. I mean, I'm just saying you, you in the, the Nets. I know, but they were not the, the no, Nets. No, but they had their guys. I'm yeah. just talking about Milwaukee and Miami. I think anyone sits there and says, we caught a little break. Because I can guarantee you Milwaukee's sitting there pissed off thinking, you know, you guys think you're something. We took you to seven games without Middleton, we took, and we're getting better. You know what I mean? There's, like, more hunger there. And I just, to that arrogance you speak of, it's it's but we've it, seen this before it, from this group with the three out of four Eastern Conference Finals and it's like does anyone sit there and say we maybe caught a break with Milwaukee and Miami and the injuries and keep players out? Yeah, how do come from behind victories happen for teams? Like the, not I'm not going to take anything away from the Knicks. Like they were they won eight in a row. They're starting to feel really good about themselves. They've beaten you uh, three times in a row. So they have a lot of confidence playing against you. They're not intimidated by you. They're not nervous about coming to Boston if the playoffs happen. Cleveland, the same way. Milwaukee, the same way. So how does a team who comes out strong and fast and get a 28-point lead, okay, going into the second quarter and then going, and like, how do they lose it? Well, they start freelancing. They start saying, you know, I have a lot of, they I have a lot of, each I, possession. They, don't, they don't respect it. So, hey, I have, um, Lots of opportunities to gamble, to play around, to take chances on a, let me throw it up against the backboard and see if somebody will dunk it. Now, I know Malcolm Brogdon didn't play. I know Rob Williams didn't play, which is really a whole nother concern if you add their their mentality into these last two losses and the fact that Robert Williams is may not be available, may not be available. Health was always an issue with him. 
it just their lineup doesn't not, doesn't look nearly as strong as it used to. Now maybe I'm a victim of the moment. I'm not sure what it is. Let's go to Rich in uh, Connecticut and see what he has to say. Rich, what's yeah, up? Yeah, hi. Hello. Yeah, what's um, up, Rich? Yeah, I like I like to comment on uh, Jason Tatum. It almost seems like he. He, he he goes in the paint a couple times here and there, and it's, is he afraid of getting hurt, or is he just looking for the sensationalism of the three point is? Because everybody that's playing defense and everybody that plays in the paint is, uh, you know, kicking our butt, and or you know they just don't have the desire or, or something. I don't know. It's just not like old school Paul Pierce and you know Kevin Garnett where they 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 lived in the paint. I don't even think they call three seconds anymore. Hmm. You know. Okay. Yeah. And I'll take my, I'll take everything off the air. All right, I, I would ask you, like, what's like? I the, my answer is no to that. Well, by the, the way. yeah, yeah, I know, and I, I do wonder. You so say you're getting ahead of yourselves. Like, I, I would ask, like, what's changed? Did anybody really feel like the the regular season was going to mean a whole hell of a lot, other than seeding? You, you know, I'm I'm just thinking, like, right now, I'm not going to sit there and panic on these guys. I will judge them when the playoffs start. I will judge Jason Tatum's maturity and the lessons that he learned last year, maybe in the NBA Finals. When the playoffs start, you know, like right now, I just, I have a hard time looking at him saying, yeah, Tatum lacks heart. Tatum wants to take it to the basket. If Tatum goes out and balls out in the playoffs, we're not going to remember what happened on March 5th. We're not going to remember what happened the next week or so or whatever it is. Their judgment's going to come in the playoffs. I'm just, that's the level that they're at right now. You know what I mean? They're not like the Knicks trying to fight for respect and show that they belong and they're building something. Thibodeau, they're building something, whatever. No, they've already built it. Their judgment comes in the postseason. Are you happy with what you're seeing right now? No. But I'm not going to overreact and start, like, you know, killing Jason Tatum over it. You know, I, the NBA final MVP, NBA all-star game MVP, whatever, whoever wakes up that day and decides to take more shots is going to get the MVP. You know, maybe next year he realizes it's not his turn because he won it the year before, so someone else, the young star, is going to win the MVP. I mean, that means absolutely nothing. But I just... They're going to be judged in the playoffs, period, and probably just against Milwaukee. Uh, yeah, I don't. I do not think that Tatum is afraid to go in the paint. No. He drives into the paint all the time. I like the fact that the last more. caller was like, ah, oh, like old school basketball. He, he didn't go all the way to the eighties. They went to the two thousands with Paul Pierce. Like old school basketball, two thousand and fifteen. You know, wow, we finally have reached the point where we <laughs> don't go back to nineteen eighty six to talking about the the Celtics. Let's go to the Brock in Middleborough. Brock, what's up? How's it going? Uh, I don't think Tatum has the dog in him, and I'm not going to give him the benefit of the doubt of waiting for the playoffs because last playoff season he tucked into a in a game where you're up 28. They should have been frothing at the mouth to score. This is a game we score 145. This is a game Tatum hits 70 in. That's what an MVP would have done. That's what that's what Kobe would have done for sure. So whatever whatever cliche you want to use about not having the you know the the heart of the champion in him. The the problem is it's a continuation of last season when we were talking about Jalen Brown was the one who had the fight in him, not Tatum. Well, all right, Brock. Here's the thing. Um, every time this is why it's it's uh it's Tatum's team. That's why the your star dictates the the personality of your team and the perception of your team. The Celtics. This is Jason Tatum's team, and if he's you know kind of like uh, I don't know, there's like his facial expressions are just, you know, boring and they're not exaggerated and he's not fighting and pumping his fist. People are going to say that he doesn't care. They're going to say he doesn't care. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I just, I firmly believe Tatum is one of the great players in the game. You can debate whether he's MVP candidate or not. And I think when you reach that level, there's only one left thing to judge. 
and that's what you do in the playoffs. Like, he's not – he's already there. I feel like Jalen Brown is already there. Like, these types of players will be judged, the stars in the league, how they do in the postseason. So, is he – he's having a great season. You know, last year he had, he had a great uh, – the second half is when he really took off. We said, there it is. There's that next level. And I feel like if they had, say, given what he did against Milwaukee, if somehow they lost Game 7 against Milwaukee, or even there was times in that Miami series, we would have said, he's, you know, he's taking the next step. I can't wait for next year. Unfortunately for him, he made it to the NBA Finals and he laid an egg. So now you have this negative feeling about him. He'll have a, and when, I remember when the NBA Finals ended last year, we sat there, Christian, and just said, unfortunately for Jason Tatum, it's going to be another year, a year from now until we judge him again by what he does in the playoffs. He's having a great regular season. Are there nights when he frustrates the hell out of you? Are you going to sit there and be really excited about him last night? You know, getting 40 points, but he shot 30 times to get it? They shot way... As a team, they shot too many three-pointers. They shot 59 three-pointers. Yeah, I mean, well, it's a double overtime game. It's also like a franchise record, I think, for threes. But it's like, yeah, he got his 40 on 30 shots. So you you can nitpick all you want all year long. And the reality is, is... Until we see him in the playoffs, elevating his game, playing at a different level, winning a championship, nothing's going to change. So I'm assuming he's like a great based, player. Like based on, because I feel like you're just like I had no big deal really in the whole scheme of things. So I feel like I, it's do a, that I feel like it's a, a bigger, it's a bigger issue moving forward. So are you a seeding guy? Number one seed is important. Or are you a rest guy? Listen, like load management. Hey, don't worry about the number one seed. We'll deal with that when the time comes. But let's just make sure we're rested and healthy. So forget about the number one. If seed. I have to choose one of the other, one of the two, I'm going rest. I'm a rest guy. Not that saying you will lose that number one seed to Milwaukee. It's going to be fun on their court, Game Seven. But I think you've got the talent. You've got these guys, veteran enough now to walk in Game Seven and have a chance to beat the Milwaukee Bucks. Is it going to be easy? No. But it'll be a lot harder if they just grind these guys out, which is a concern. When you start looking at some of the minutes, when you start looking at the rotation, when you're looking at guys like, you know, for some reason, it's like you're a great basketball team. I don't want to limp into the postseason. I think they got tired last year, mentally, physically, going through that grind. You know, I don't want to see Grant Williams all of a sudden be out of a rotation. Why? Like, use your bench. I would feel better if you're playing like this and you're limiting some minutes to sort of be like, okay, this is the type of year we want to get our second breath. So we're going to go through this stretch. It's a tough one. It's a lot of road games coming up. we got back-to-back here tonight. We're going to start resting some guys. So we fall back a little bit in the standings. I, I, but, I think but, that, but that physically is... physically, we're going to be in a better position dumb, to that is go through dumbest, a long run. That is the dumbest thing they could do. Well, I love you too. Well, listen, but here's my point. Like, they're not 35. Tatum's 25 years old. I could go all night long when I was 25 years old. Okay, wire <laughs> to wire. I'm, listen, I'm not I mean, saying that is benching my... him for like a week. I'm saying, you know, you're back-to-back nights. I don't know. Sit the guy. Okay, whatever. Fine. You know, you can move some minutes around. These guys, I know it's a double overtime game, but 48 minutes, 45 minutes for average Al. 45 minutes. You, what do you think he's going to be like in two oh, in two months if you keep he, chasing that number one seed and playing this guy forty minutes or thirty six minutes a night? Well, that's well, that's he'll sit like he won't play. He probably won't play tonight against Cleveland. Good. Okay, now and this is what I would call a scheduled loss for the Boston Celtics. And I think one of the guys in this room, actually in the other room, actually picked uh, the Celtics to win. We'll hear about that at eleven forty five for the primetime parlay. But I think the number one seeding is so important. Look at the Bucks last year. They didn't have the number one seed. You think things would have been different if they were playing their last games at home? I think if they had Chris Middleton, they had a good shot of beating you in Game Seven. Well, they didn't. Even, they stopped even trying in, at the last game of Game Seven over here when they played. I just feel like it's you can't like just let go of the rope now. You can't just like act like the hay is in the barn now. There's 17 games left. 
Think about this. I would consider them a veteran, mature team. Would you? Even though they're young. It's, this is a veteran team. There's no babies on this team that this is the first time in this situation. They've been to all these uh, Eastern Conference uh, championship mm-hmm. series. They went to the finals last year. Being uh, being immature and new cannot be an excuse. Why would they wait till this point in time to finally figure out that the, there are other teams that are getting better, getting more confidence, getting healthy, starting to kind of bring you in a little bit, recognize that they can play with you, that they can beat you in Boston. Last night's game was a playoff atmosphere, as close as it's been in a long period of time. Hell, I would say the last time the, the Cleveland game that they played here where they blew Cleveland out after losing to them the first time, Okay, was probably another play. Last These are night, all playoff scenarios. Last night seemed like it was kind of like balls to the wall. And I know that Rob Williams was out and, you know, Grant Williams finally got some minutes, but I felt like it was like a six-man rotation. It was a double overtime game. You know, Hauser, Muscala, they get in there for a few minutes here. and That's it. I mean, only eight guys played last night in double overtime game. And really, when you look at the minutes, it was really like a six-man rotation. And I, I just don't think you need to be playing right now like that against the Knicks. It just seemed to me that, again, Rob Williams is not out there. Maybe he's going to be – maybe you should expect Rob Williams to be in and out all the time. Brogdon didn't play. He's got an ankle issue. If these guys are healthy, I mean, now, could, do I think that the Celtics would lose a series to the Knicks? I don't know. The, the, the Knicks look like they're, they're, they're looking pretty good. They're, that's going to be a tough out. Cleveland's going to be a tough out. Milwaukee's going to be a tough out. There's just not any easy See, to me, wins. The only any, reason any why you lose to the Knicks is because of injury, because you grind guys. You know, I think Williams will be back for the playoffs. You know, Brogdon will be back. You know, and if if you grind these guys out, and maybe there is no Al Horford because you're busting your ass to get the number one seed, or you're playing Rob Williams more than you should because you're busting your ass to get the number one seed, then the Knicks will beat you because you're not full. When you're full, you ain't losing to the Knicks. And if you are losing to the Knicks, then you'll crucify them right here on this radio station. Well, I would say like the next time they get a lead, I think the 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 shrapnel effect, the domino effect is you start playing tight because you sit there and you go, here we go again. We have a lead. Can we hold it? Will they be more careful? Will they be will they be more disciplined? Like against the Brooklyn Nets, they were not disciplined. They were not careful. They were arrogant. So, and I think that's the, you thought they would have learned their lesson, but they did it because they end up losing to the Knicks uh, last night. So uh, we'll keep taking your calls throughout the day. But first, who watches Saturday Night Live now? I usually never watch Saturday Night Live. Nope. But I would like to do something lewd. I think it's going to impress you. I love it. I would like to crown tight end Travis Kelsey the best athlete to ever host Saturday Night Live. Oh boy, Emma, you're going to hear why coming up next. W-E-E-I, W-E-E-I, New England Sports Original. Now, now, more Gresh and Fourier. On W-E-E-I. And streaming on W-E-E-I.com. You know, people keep asking me what it was like to beat my brother in the Super Bowl, and um, it was pretty awkward. <laughs> Especially because after the game, we had to ride home together. Our mom drove us there in her minivan. <laughs> like the good old days, but uh, even though his team lost after being up 10 points at half, my brother is actually really happy for me. And he agrees that the ref made the right call. It was a holding. 
That was uh, that was uh, Travis Kelsey. Uh, that was his opening monologue, Lou, uh, on Saturday Night Live. Um, Saturday night, this last Saturday night. Um, I listen. I never watch it, and I will say this: uh, the monologue was okay. I thought his brother uh, uh, Travis Kelsey was actually should have been used more because he's a character in himself. Jason, yeah, um, yeah, Jason Kelsey. Sorry, um, but the, I thought he was easily. Uh, the best a former athlete to or current athlete to ever host Saturday Night Live. I did Live. see one skit, and he was very good at it. I don't know. He was sitting at a table with like a doll. It was called know. American Girl Doll or yeah, something like that. Yeah, and it was a pretty good skit. But are you telling me, because shortly after that, I was wondering, uh, you know, I was wondering why I saw this clip all over the place. The Peyton Manning appearance on Saturday Night Live when he's throwing the football to the kids? Well, I, that was I good think too. that's hard to beat. Like, on, uh, Peyton Manning is fantastic at it. That skit, he's throwing the ball off the back no, of the guy's head, and he's like, get the hell skit. out of here. You can't catch. All, everything like everything him, involved. Breaking into the <laughs> No, bar. no. That was a, I will say. Put your head out of your ass. <laughs> no, that was, that was definitely. Okay, so now we're ranking individual skits, though. Yeah. Because the, the just a couple titles like that he had. Uh, straight male friend. Yep. I thought was interesting. It's okay. Uh, the other one uh, was uh, Please Don't Destroy Self-Defense. It's where he's a uh, self-defense instructor, and he's trying to teach all these guys how to be tough, and he ends up just knocking the crap out of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, all-encompassing from beginning to end, uh, I thought, I mean, listen, I pulled up a list of all the former athletes, okay? So the last football, do you remember the last football player to, who is now officially retired, I'll give you a hint, and likes to play hockey and went to Wisconsin? The last football player uh, uh, to host um, Saturday Night Live was whom? Oh man! Nice I just give you a was hint. Likes Wisconsin. Aaron Rodgers likes to uh, is an, likes to play hockey. Total hardo. Total hardo. JJ Watt. <laughs> yes, JJ Watt. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, JJ to me takes himself too seriously. Like you know, like Kelsey. Kelsey's perfect. He right? is that personality for is perfect for it. I was actually, I was just literally, I was seriously a little bit amazed at how good he was at it. You see, I wasn't shocked. That he'd be good at something like that. Because he's got a great personality. He's freaking nuts. Yeah, I mean, let me see. Eli Manning, a little stiff. Yeah, stiff. Uh, let me see. The the names of, of, of former football players. Didn't Rodgers host it one time? Or Deion Sanders something? hosted it before also. Oh, primetime would be fantastic. Man. Know your role and shut your mouth, you jabroni. Joe Montana. I remember Joe Montana's monologue. Brady did too, right? Yeah. I think Brady did it twice, did he yeah, not? Yeah, I think so. Bill, do you know Bill Russell hosted Saturday Night Live? Did he really? Yes, back in 1979, O.J. Simpson. Fran Tarkenton was the first former athlete to ever host Saturday Night Live. I mean, Nomar, of course. Uh, he did? I think, he, well, he had, I think he had a cameo. Carl Weathers, you know who he is, right? Paul uh, Creed. Uh, sure. Dwayne Johnson, Derek Jeter. Uh, you said Nomar hosted? No, no, he had a cameo. I don't see his I name. He was the, in a Sully and Denise skit. Yeah, then when they always remember that Nomar. The tweet he, came yeah. in, he, he was dating Jimmy Fallon's sister. Yeah, uh, okay. yeah, yeah. It was that whole thing. Yeah. So Speaking I don't of know. Apollo Creed, did you see Creed three yet? I refuse to see it. Why? Because there's no Rocky. There's no Rocky in it. My kid made me go on on, on Saturday. And was it any good? It's all right. See, Billy and I uh, have uh, had a long conversation about uh, the Rocky movies. Uh, Apollo Creed and the Creed movies. First of all, in the first movie, Creed, Rocky is like, he's frail, he's old, uh, he can't hold the mitts, and then he gets cancer, and then he really can't do anything. So he's like coaching and teaching from afar. 
and Creed two. Suddenly he can hold the mitts again. He can box again, and like he's healed. Like well, cancer, he's he fine recover. now. And then, in, and then the third one, they don't even, they don't even. Uh, he's gone. He's not even in the damn movie. Yeah, it's gone. Yeah, it's just they're moving on. Creed three, it's moving on. I've told you this. I'll say it again. They need to treat treat uh, Rocky Balboa like uh, the dog from Old Yeller. Yo, Rocky! Spite your tongue. They need. He needs to die somehow. They need to like. You ever seen? Fans uh, don't want to see it. No. They, how no, do you? No, 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 Fans no. don't want to see it. You know why? Because you look at it this way. Why didn't we see Tony Soprano get shot in the head at the end of Soprano? Well, artistic fans, differences. Because the fans don't want to see it like that. I don't want to see Rocky go down. Exactly. I, I was telling him, like, I didn't even like seeing him get sick in, no. the, in the first Creed movie. Oh, come on. No, it bothered me. Oh, no, cancer can't beat Rock. I didn't hear no bell. Right, Mick. Come on, let's go. No, it was it was okay. I wasn't a big fan. I mean, it was all right. It was a movie. I like movies. Tough to have a movie sucked me. But... No, I, I just, I'm, uh... I'm just anti the way they just excluded him out of it, so I, I refuse so to watch it. So that's it, you refuse to watch? Yeah, I'm not going to watch yeah. it. I'll see Avatar 2 before I see Q3. <laughs> no, I can't do that. And then Avatar 3 no. is like five hours no. long. No, But real quickly, okay, back to the go Celtics. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I didn't even hear this. Oh, all right, go ahead. Billy, you said you saw you, you had this in the open, but I didn't even hear it because I was still hopped up on creatine. Do you want to play the, the quick clip about uh, Joe Mazzula where they asked him if he was nervous? Joe, 17 games left in the regular season, um, trending. The, the competition is trending up, um, and you guys are starting to hit like some struggles here. What's the level of concern as far as the timing of this? Zero. And, Excuse me? I think zero. he said zero. Yeah. See, this, this is where I feel like nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Ime Udoka is going to get propped up. And we'll see in the playoffs as this team struggles. It's going to be like, ah, I wish they still had Ime. Wish they still had Ime. You know, because I kind of feel oh, like... Ime is going to be grinning. Yeah, well, where they are right now, and again, this is maybe giving Ime too much credit, but we heard a lot about this last year, was I don't think that answer would be zero. I think maybe he would dig into this team a little bit. I think he would talk about how they think they can just roll the balls out there and just beat anybody, and they don't respect leads, and they don't respect their opponent, and they don't respect teams. Like, I think you would get that from him a little bit, the little kick in the ass. And, you know, again, it's year one, and we'll see what it looks like in the playoffs. But do you feel like that guy right there gives them the kick in the ass that they need? See, anyone feel that? Uh, I'm going to say no right now because, I I mean, there's what yeah. do you base it on? The like, script you, were, you, were yeah, doubting, we'll you were doubting Ime Udoka when they were 18 and 21 before they turned things around and the light went on. And after that team meeting, that's why I said maybe it's time for a team meeting. Maybe everybody needs to stop reading their own press clippings. Maybe they just need to understand like that the job's not done yet. That is that is what the last two games, specifically the last two games over the weekend, Friday against the Nets and last night against the Knicks, showed me is they think that the season's over. Like they feel like they can cruise to the finish line, right. and all these other teams are they're peaking at the right time. So Joe says, "No, nothing to see here." I don't expect him to say anything else. I love you. No, I'm just saying, like, it wasn't even, I know it was a tough start, and it took a while for maybe him to break some habits, which you heard a lot about last year, but even, like, the introductory press conference, wasn't Ime sitting there with Brad Stevens right next to him and saying, sorry, Brad, but I don't like the style of basketball you guys played last year. Sorry, Brad, no offense, but I don't like the way you guys did this. I don't like the way you guys did that. It felt like a tone was set right away that you didn't play basketball the way it was supposed to be played last year, and we are going to change that. Now, it took a couple of months, but once it clicked, you know, the whole thing with Jason Tatum. Stop acting like you're the little brother, for God's sakes. You know, just getting in your superstar's ears about what he wants out of them, and it worked. Does this guy have that in him? We don't know. We're not behind the scenes. 
We don't know what's being said privately compared to what's being publicly, but all we can do is base it on results. And again, I go back to it's not the script isn't written yet. We will see what it looks like in the postseason. But this group needs seems like they need the kick in the ass because they kind of start liking themselves a little bit too much. Well, and that's and that's my point. So if you're you were a half game uh, behind, now you're a game and a half. Like now it's starting to get real. Now you're three games up on Philly. Yeah. So you're like, all right, now here comes Philly. So I just feel like there's this. You talk about a kick in the ass. Well, the kick in the ass usually is done in January, maybe the beginning of February. Not rolling in with 17 games left, you know, with the playoffs on the horizon and the number one seed up for grabs. Okay, so we're going to do Celtics all day. Uh, but first, there's a lot of rumors that were going on over the weekend, Lou. Rumor I don't know mill, if you paid attention. Mill, yeah, I, I heard, I saw that DeAndre Hopkins was maybe was at the Hertz rental counter. I think that may have been it. <laughs> I think I saw him at the Hertz rental counter. Uh, I mean, is Mac Jones going to get traded to the Raiders? Matt Patricia may have a job, but it's not going to be a head coach. Maybe it's a position coach. And Hunter Henry hmm, just got validated as a guy that the Patriots want to keep. We'll get into all those rumors coming up next.